Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. It is Monday, April 13th. We are 10 days away from the start of the 2020 NFL Draft. And the news continues to pour in hot and heavy. Despite there being no football, no free agent signings, some really interesting tidbits over the course of this weekend that I think are worthwhile for all of us to discuss uh, here on Locked on Dolphins. But before we get into any more quarterback debates or anything of that nature, I want to talk to everybody about the structure of the 2020 NFL Draft. Specifically, the 2020 NFL Draft will be held virtually, in which everyone will be drafting from the confinements of their own home. And this isn't, which it will be for some people, a hindrance to the Miami Dolphins. And the reason why is because of how the Dolphins front office is structured. And I would say this, if this COVID-19 pandemic was taking place in, oh, I don't know, 2012, 2013, yeah, the Dolphins would be in some trouble because you have different ideologies, different thought processes pulling for the the tug of war for control and dictation of of what direction the Dolphins actually choose to go, the Dolphins are no longer structured this way. And because of that, the Dolphins are going to, I would anticipate, have a very seamless transition into a virtual draft. Think about Brian Flores, and and Brian Flores has openly talked at length about how he and general manager Chris Greer, the football operations department, are constantly in collaboration and communication with one, each, one another. And that there is this collective effort that has, it, it included street free agent pickups and waiver wire additions and trades. Brian Flores, the coaching staff that he had compiled, and Chris Greer and the coach and the, the scouting department that he have has compiled, they're already used to having these daily conversations and coming to mutual agreements and moving forward. And then you think about the experience in football executives that are in this building, assistant general manager Marvin Allen, very experienced, longtime executive with scouting background. Reggie McKenzie, former Raiders GM, longtime scouting background. Chris Greer has been scouting in the NFL for over 20 years at this point. So you have the prominent figures in the football operations department for the Dolphins, they've been around the block. And they all work in part because of the new company culture that's been instilled under Chris Greer and Brian Flores. They all work together and collaborate with one another on personnel decisions already. So having the chaos of 10 minutes being on the clock and everybody sitting down and assessing the board and trying to come to a mutual decision, these people who are going to be making these decisions for the Dolphins are already exposed to and used to sitting down 
and coming to mutual agreements together. Think about when Jeff Ireland was here and Joe Philbin and the constant clash with Jeff Ireland, Joe Philbin, Dawn Aponte. These would all be people in a virtual draft room all trying in the midst of their entire department to to have their way be the way the Dolphins choose to go. Whereas now the Dolphins, that flow of communication, that trust is much greater. And that should have us as Dolphins fans much more excited about what possible returns the 2020 NFL Draft can provide thanks to this new team culture that's been instilled going back to the spring of 2019. We have a few things to get into today on the show. As always, when the weekend comes and goes, the uh, notable discussion points are unrelenting uh, as far as uh, worthwhile discussion points. One of them came from uh, social media. Somebody asked me uh, what the cost looked like for the Miami Dolphins with their bevy of draft capital at their disposal. And uh, this is... uh, Something that's been talked about, but maybe not completely discussed. Uh, The Dolphins are going to need to spend just short of $19 million of their 2020 cap space uh, for their 14-player rookie pool, which is a monstrous number. Of course, that happens when you have twice as many picks as an average NFL draft class. Uh, full breakdown, Miami owns picks 5, 18, 26, 39, 56, 70. Excruciating gap. 141, 153, 154, 173, 185, 227, 246, and 251. So we're top heavy and we're bottom heavy. Middle, not so much. Dolphins' fifth overall pick, presuming they pick there. $5.5 million in cap space in year one. Pick 18, $2.48 million in 2020 cap. 26, $2.25 million in 2020 cap. 39, $1.47 in 2020 cap. 56 is 1.03. The rest, it's like 800, 700, 600 K. The rest of the way down. So if you're going to trade picks, obviously 18, 26, uh, interestingly enough, 18 and 26 combined are not as expensive as the fifth overall pick. Obviously, that is. Uh, a natural incentive with being the top pick in the draft or being a top pick in the draft. Uh, but the Dolphins are credited with by OverTheCap.com with just short of $23 million in cap space right now. We've talked about this on the show before, how it's good that the Dolphins have structured their cap space this way. They, they spent like $20 million in roster bonuses for this year that will come off the books as guarantees instead of being prorated signing bonuses that the Dolphins would then have to split up over the next three, four seasons. They were very heavy front-loaded with their contract guarantees. That allowed the team to get guys paid, make sure they took advantage of having cap space. But that, in in turn, you know, with them eating up their cap space in order to get guys guaranteed money and create future cap space, means this team's probably not going to be players for any of the big free agents left on the market. Uh, the Jadavion Clowney's of the world, the Logan Ryan's of the world, they're probably off the table. Yannick Ngakwe's of the world, off the table for the Dolphins. Because after this slew of draft picks comes in, the Dolphins are going to have less than $5 million in cap space. We'll get around to uh, January of next year, and the Dolphins are going to have 
probably 70, $75 million in cap space. So like we're not worried long-term. But the strategy suggests the Dolphins are up against it. They're going to make their picks. They're going to make them count. And that's going to be that. Another big nugget that dropped this morning came courtesy of NBC Sports' Peter King. Peter King, of course, used to write the Monday morning quarterback column for Sports Illustrated. He's since moved on to NBC Sports and does Football Morning in America. Uh, His notes for the Dolphins in this week's column, which dropped this morning, uh, suggest that the Dolphins are, quote, reluctant to trade the farm and a move up to jump into the first overall pick to draft Joe Burrow. Uh, this is direct quote from Peter King. I do hear that general manager Chris Greer and coach Brian Flores are very much against trading the farm to move up to get Burrow, which some in the organization want to do. I doubt Stephen Ross will pull the owner card and force a mega offer to try and move up to number one, but we shall see. If you think back, when Flores first got the job, his first six months on the job, there was at one point where Brian Flores talked about he would rather have three good team players than one star. And that's phrasing. That's not exactly what he said. I don't necessarily think quarterback's completely applicable here, but if you feel like you can get a comparable quarterback, which the Dolphins apparently think they can because we've heard the reports that they have three quarterbacks graded highly, Joe, Tua, and Justin Herbert, why would you pay everything you had to go up and get one when you can get more players, further instill the culture of the team? So that's kind of been my preferred stance. We've explored what it would look like to trade up to one for Joe Burrow. We would have explored what it would look like to trade up to number three. Staying at five and keeping your picks is my personal preference. And then getting your best available between Tua and Justin Herbert. And if you're comfortable with the medicals, then so be it. That for the Dolphins allows them the best opportunity to flesh out this roster, get as many impact players as possible. Don't bypass on quarterback because if your team progresses the way you anticipate and want it to, you won't be in a position to draft a quarterback next year without giving up a ton of capital and gutting your ability to continue to restock your roster. But whether or not the Dolphins are going to do that is the big question because they're still... A lot of heat surrounding Tua. You know, Tua had his pro day video release, and and everybody lost their minds over that. And I will say this for the pro day release: Tua looked great moving around. To really consider and stop and, and ask yourself, does this look like somebody who had a dislocated hip in November? The answer would be no. He looked good moving around. Is that enough to sell the teams? I have no clue. Are the Dolphins going to bet? on themselves, and bet on his upside, I don't know. We're getting close to finding out. And if the Dolphins are going to make a move, they're running out of time to do it. we got 10 days to swing a deal. Which brings us to the last really interesting uh, discussion point regarding quarterbacks that I wanted to talk about today. This one came courtesy of the Miami Herald. Uh, the Miami Herald released uh, an article this morning. 
and it was written by Adam Beasley, detailing that the tea leaves seem to indicate that the Dolphins aren't going to make the trade up to one. And that falls in line with what Peter King said as far as not wanting to give up other capital. But what Beasley and the Herald did that Peter King did not do is they laid out the most to least likely options, in their opinion, at this point in time. Ten days out, they ranked the likelihood of who's going to be the Miami Dolphins quarterback. And I'm not going to give away the whole article. No, I, don't, I don't want to talk about some of the details that they have in here about um, Joe Burrow and why that will not fall through. But I will name and list their rankings here because this is very fascinating. I'll start from the bottom. So the least likely of the big four, Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, the least likely of those four players to be the Miami Dolphins pick when it is all said and done, according to the Miami Herald, is Joe Burrow. And that makes sense because it's not a pick that's within their hands. They would have to coax Cincinnati out. If they're reluctant to trade the draft capital, it ain't going to get done. They would have to give the Bengals an offer they can't refuse. Sounds like the Dolphins are not willing to do that, which makes Joe Burrow the least likely option. Sensible. The third most likely, or second least likely, depending on if we're looking 4-1 to one or 1-4, one to four, the next least likely quarterback after Joe Burrow is Tua Tungavaloa, according to the Miami Herald. Jordan Love is listed as the second most likely quarterback to be the Miami Dolphins when it's all said and done, and Justin Herbert is the one. I'll give you a minute. Collect your thoughts. This is presumably about the injury history. Uh, we, we've heard that the Dolphins have three players rated highly. It, this makes it sound like they preferred Joe. They're not going to touch Joe because the Bengals won't, won't play ball with him. The injury history with Tua knocks him down, which then makes it Herbert is one, Jordan Love is two. Tua is unlikely because of the medicals. So the way that this was framed from the Herald is stand pat at five, take best available quarterback or best player available, and then trade up from 18 if the answer is going to be Jordan Love. We're just saying. This is why we explore all the possible outcomes on this show. Because you think you know, Tua comes out and, and his throwing session comes out and it's awesome. And then something like this comes out two days later and it's, well, pump the brakes. It might still be Justin Herbert, which is partly exhausting. I, I know I speak for a lot of Dolphins fans and we just want to know at this point. And the buildup to the draft this year has been excellent. Um, it's been a difficult season and spring because of COVID-19 and everybody's kind of got cabin fever right now and, and the speculation starting to reach that exhausting tipping point usually comes a little later or a little earlier in the month of April, to be honest with you, where you hit the last week in March, first week in April, and you say, holy cow, can we just hit fast forward on this thing already and get it done and get it over with? Uh, but it seems like we're hitting that point now about a week out. So take it for what it's worth. But the Miami Herald is indicating, uh, as well as Peter King 
A trade up to one, not looking likely. But drafting Tua is still very much up in the air. Dane Brugler of The Athletic, who is one of the best NFL draft analysts on the market, by the way, dropped a seven-round mock this morning. Justin Herbert at five to the Dolphins, passing on Tua, who went six to the Chargers. We're not saying, we're just saying. Short episode today, but I'd want to leave a little bit more room to get Power to the Pod questions in, and we're probably going to go a little long tomorrow because you guys do such a great job bringing the questions. I've already got a couple questions on iTunes reviews, so if you'd like to leave your question that way, please feel free to do so. At Locked on Fins with a PH. I'm going to be soliciting your questions for tomorrow's Power to the Pod fan episode uh, for this week. Keep an eye out for that. And um, a little later this week, I want to work through some draft history of the Miami Dolphins with the picks that they own. Pretty interesting case study to go back through and explore Dolphins' successes and failures at the current draft slots that they're slated to own unless they throw us for a curveball between now and then. Then they trade out of those spots, which wouldn't mind a little bit of action here to get some definitive clarity on what direction we're going to go, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Oh, it's that, that leverage game is likely to last until Detroit's on the clock at 3 and Cincinnati's on the clock at 1. So uh, we probably got 10 more days of the speculation ahead of us, but looking forward to talking about some team building and roster and roster management and, and potentially some cap discussions with you guys, depending on what you bring to the table tomorrow. So if you want to talk about something specific, at Locked on Fins or leave a review of the pod with your question, and I'll make sure I touch on as many as I possibly can tomorrow. I'm Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, and an NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We will be back tomorrow digging into your questions. Fins up.